Blog Talk Radio.
All right, everybody, this is the night that you want to be right here on MZN Indie Radio with Ravinda in the house celebrating some old school jams, starting off our show with Switch. I remember dancing to all those songs and just checking out the DeBarge Brothers for a long time. And then then this group came out, and it was just amazing. And I'm just happy to have uh, Greg Williams, the founding member, uh, with us tonight to talk about what's going on with Switch. Everybody's like, well, what, are they still performing? Yes, they are still doing their thing. I know they are working in the studio. So they, no, nobody that good could just disappear. So thank you so much for coming in, Greg. I'm happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Greg, um, can you kind of give us the, the backstory on Switch and how you guys got together and started that wonderful group? Uh, yeah. Actually, well, Bobby, Jody, and I were with a group called White Heat, and we were signed with Barry White uh, on RC- and signed on RCA Records in 1970. Having dealt with a lot of bands in a lot of situations, but uh, after dealing with a lot of bands. And uh, then uh, when White Heat broke up, maybe a year after White Heat broke up, I decided it was just time for me to put my own unit together. I'd always wanted to, you know, something that I could work with. I'd done it twice before, but I abandoned it for a few years to be with other people. But it was time for me to do it again, so I did. Maybe, what, Whitey broke up in, if I'm correct, maybe the fall of 75, and I put uh, Switch together in uh, the fall of 76, so maybe a year later. And I handpicked all the guys, you know, to be in the group, all the guys that I wanted. I had worked with Philip and Eddie and Akron. Of course, Bobby and Jody were in White Heat with me, and then Tommy was later a member of White Heat also. So, you know, I just pulled together the cats that I thought the most of and, you know, uh, went into a studio, cut a demo, which took a couple weeks. Uh, Jody and I came to L.A., and strangely enough, uh, ran into Jermaine Jackson uh, and his wife Hazel and, and met him in the elevator in the Motown building, and gave him the tape. And uh, within 24 hours, Jermaine called us back after listening to it and said, what do you guys want me to do? We told him, well, we want a record deal. So, you know, we met later that evening. His, uh, his wife was in the hospital having a, their first child, and so we met up at the hospital and stayed there until the other Jackson's brothers showed up a couple hours later. First Jackie, Tito, and Marlon came in, then Michael and Randy came in, and then the sisters and stuff like that. So we hung out for a while with them. But then Jody and I went on back, and, uh, you know, from that point on, the, the wheels were in motion. Jermaine made it happen. Wow, that's amazing. That is truly amazing. I mean, but two of my short, favorite That's the short version of the story. <laughs> yeah, the short you version. <laughs> no, uh, they, saying, excuse me. Well, I said that's great because those are my two favorite groups ever, Switch and the Jacksons. So okay. I'm glad that, you know, it kind of worked out the way it did. You know, I'm just happy about that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> so how was it um, when you got started? Um, now, how did that take off? Like, Was it like immediate success for you, or did it take a little while after that? Well, it took a while. We signed the contracts in May of 1967. We didn't get a record out until November of 1978. So we spent all that time getting used to our surroundings, getting used to being at Motown, getting used to re- learning how to uh, be stronger, better writer, arranger, producers, uh, hanging out with Jermaine 
and Hazel for the most part for that year, and you know, so it took a minute. But you know, realistically, that was just a minute in the, in the overall scheme of things. Wow. And our first record, the first record we put out, became a hit record. They'll never be. Wow. Yeah, that was that was. Oh, I remember when that album came out, and I went and I was working at McDonald's. <laughs> okay. I was at, and then I went to. Um, I think I was in. I don't know what grade I was in, but I went to the store with my first check, and I went and bought that album. Did you? Then I, yes, I did. I was like the first album that I ever bought with my own money. <laughs> okay, I like that. And I and let me tell you what happened though. I went into this uh, this jewelry store this, and because I, I saw a friend of mine in there, and I had the bag and I put it like next to the counter, so I thought nobody would take it. So, like, I'm talking to my friend, and, and, like, I guess a crowd of people came in or something. We didn't notice, but somebody came in and stole my bag. Oh, God, how horrible. With my album in it, I was so upset, I was in tears. So I had a little boyfriend <laughs> at the time, and I told him about it. I guess he was trying to get in good because, you know, all the girls would love to switch. So he went and bought another album for me. Well, I'll be done. Okay. Oh, that was sweet. <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, well, if I see that boy in his mall. <laughs> <laughs> my first, I mean, my first check, my first purchase ever. I didn't even buy a yeah, big bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was upset. So um, now the group has the album out. So, how did fame affect you at that time? Because to me, it would have been like fame because I, I remember girls with, in my grade or whatever just screaming and hollering. So that to me was fame. So how was it for you when, when the album came out? Well, see, we were humble guys. We guys from the Midwest, you know, pretty grounded. We didn't know what all that was. It took a long time for us to really recognize what was going on around us. I mean, it was strange because we come out uh, here in Hollywood, here in California, and our pictures are on billboards all over the city. We couldn't go anywhere without seeing that album cover. You know that first album cover with that row of six pictures, all six of us on the uh-huh. front cover? You know, <laughs> and that row, all those pictures, they're on billboards all over the place. They're on the sides of buses, which you never saw faces on the sides of buses. They were right. on buses, you know, and, and various other places where you could promote stuff. Down Sunset Boulevard now. I don't know if you know anything about Sunset Boulevard, but it is where they put up billboards of un- upcoming movies, celebrities, and all yeah, of that. Yeah, I've seen that. Here, I was just down there. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. And here we even got a billboard on Sunset Boulevard. So, <laughs> I mean, if if anything was to tell us that we had kind of broke through, that would have. But we humble cats. We don't even know. We ain't paying no attention. We just together doing what we do. You know, it got to a place we'd go to the malls and, you know, although, you know, a group of handsome guys going to draw some attention anyway. But then when it got to a point where people were screaming and hurting each other trying to get to us and like that. So it was actually really kind of crazy. It was. <laughs> yeah, you had those, yeah. had on them tight pants and, and all that curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It really did not uh, sink in until we wound up going on a promotional tour. And what that was was we flew from various cities into various cities and uh, we did uh, uh, radio stations and television shows and in-stores where we signed autographs. We got to Detroit, 
and went to bad records in Detroit. And as we were driving to the place, we noticed that there was a crowd of people on the street. Now, we knowing that we're still a ways away from it because the driver had told us we got a few more blocks to go. But we noticed that there were crowds and crowds of people on the street. And we thought, well, it's Detroit. Something happened. Somebody got shot or something because all these people <laughs> wouldn't be out here for nothing. We asked, dude, did somebody get shot or something? The driver said, no, they're in line for the record store. I said, well, where the record store at? He said, it's like about a, uh, a block and a half, two blocks up. I said, what, you talking about the record store we going to, these people? He said, man, they're here for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Freaked us out. Freaked us all out. So yeah, did you so change your mind? Like, finally... you scared? <laughs> no, not really. Not really. Not really. We didn't get scared till after they tried to turn over the limo to get in it. <laughs> oh, now, that was time to get scared. You got people surrounding your limo and rocking it. Yeah, and you know yeah. what it reminded me of is it reminded me of some of that footage that I had seen on the Jackson Five and the Beatles. It was just like wow, oh, yeah. and that's when we realized that we obviously, you know, broke through. So, well, you know, I've talked to some other folks that, um, you know, were out there and and had fans, and I have a, a young group that um that I know uh, I'm actually uh, in love with right now. Jaton, mm-hmm. and they're and they're like in this era, and it's amazing to me that the fans are still acting the way they did back in the '60s and the '70s and the '80s, um, just like going crazy, like screaming and just grabbing. And I mean, at first I thought that only happened with you know Michael Jackson, because I know people just lose their mind when he used to come around. But uh, you know, did at any point in your career did you feel like this was very surreal for you and you know, did you feel kind of nervous about it at all? Never, never really, uh-uh. You know, I will tell you one thing about it. I mean, I didn't want all that attention and adulation. You know, I'm the guy that concentrated on what was happening for the group, the business of it all, and things like that. I used to tell the guys, y'all take the girls, I want the Grammys, you know, and things <laughs> like that. You know, because that's where my head was at. It was, it was always more business than it was anything else, you know, but... uh I took it in stride, you know. We all took it in stride, and uh, and it was it was wonderful when it was what it was. It was wonderful, you know. Because wow. uh, you know, there's nothing like an affirmation that what you believed in and what you dreamed when others doubted you. Now, finally, everybody's buying it. So it made a difference. It definitely made a difference. Wow. Now, um, after your your first album came out, did you do any international touring? We never did international touring. That's the sad thing about Switch. In all of our years, we spent five years at Motown, one year at Total Experience, and all of the years that we were out there, we only toured once in 1981, and we only did tour from November to February. Wow. And we missed a lot of places along the way. We did not. It was three nights on. It was four nights on, three nights off. And so, you know, a lot of people never got to see us perform, and that was the only tour we ever did. Mm-mm-mm. That's terrible. I just knew I y'all like, y'all were everywhere. They were everywhere. Well, you know what? I hope and pray that everything works out with the plans that I have for this um, international uh, streaming of a um, R&B old school R&B tour. Well, not really a tour. I don't know. If it turns into a tour, I'd be happy. But it'll be a, a concert 
And I want to have okay. like all the old school bands on the um, show, but I'm streaming it across the entire world. So gotcha. whoever has access to the internet will get to see it on pay per view. So if you know, even if you didn't get to get out there as a group, then maybe you know this will give you more exposure out there because I know some people in other countries may not have heard of you, but I'm sure they would love the music. And um, was, I'm hoping and praying that. Okay, and I'm sorry not to cut you off, but actually we are uh, equally as famous uh, in many other countries as we were here in the States. That's why we should have toured internationally. In fact, we had, uh, They'll Never Be was our biggest, well, I Call Your Name was actually our biggest seller here in the States. Our biggest record abroad is a record called Keeping Secrets. Are you familiar with that, which was on that Total Experience album? Wow. So yeah, are you the familiar other with the song Keeping Secrets? I remember hearing it, but I'm just surprised that, you know, it wasn't the other songs. I, I, I was, of, too. Quite, fr- quite frankly, <laughs> I was. But Keeping Secrets was a number five pop record all over Europe and in, in Japan and, and Germany and China. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it was a huge record. But huge I imagine record. if, um, if now, were they, were they able to access the other music? Sure they were. We were. They were hits over there. You know, but of the of the, the, the songs of the early stuff, instead mm-hmm. of they'll never be in I Call Your Name, I Want to Be Closer was bigger than both of those. Wow. Sure was. Oh, I know that was a song between myself and my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> I Want to Be Closer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, we had a lot of love stories off of that song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I heard that. I ain't mad at that. Oh, no. I mean, I'm telling you, when I remember, because I went to Lamberton in Philly, and then um, I was in this uh, summer program called, um, what the heck was the name of that? Um, but it was at Drexel University. And I remember, you know, we used to just have these parties on the rooftop of the um, dorm. And just like, you know, it was called Overbound. That was the name of the program. We would just have... Our favorite songs were everything from Switch <laughs> and Mass Production, um, The Commodores, and I forgot what else. Oh, Sugar Sugar Hill, everything from Sugar Hill. Those are the only things we were playing the most. Okay. And when it came to the slow stuff, it was Switch, and some people wanted to hear Rolls Royce, that one song, but um, Switch was like the favorite of, of everybody. We would all be singing those songs. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. That is wow. great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what is the group doing now? We're working. I mean, actually, we're working on a new CD, which may get done and out sometime this summer. We're taking our time. It's a slow process, you know, because all of us have other responsibilities and commitments other than recording this CD, but we're working on it. We're like six songs in, so hopefully we'll have this thing done by sometime summer. You know, oh, and also, oh. yeah, yeah, because we got good stuff. We really do have good stuff. And also we're playing live. We're doing live shows. Last thing we did, we did, uh, it was Switch and Lenny Williams. And uh, we played Kansas City, Missouri. We sold that out. We played Chicago with SOS Band and Elder Barge, which was oh. a show and a half because all of us I wound know. up on stage. All of us wound up on stage together. Actually, L's special guests were Bunny, Randy, oh, and Chico. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 
So all of them, and then they called us up, and we did I Call Your Name together. All of us did I Call Your Name. So it was really a great show. The audience was just done. They were screaming I I uncontrollably. Was <laughs> I would have been right awesome. there in the front. <laughs> it, it really was. It was a great show. So we've been oh doing that, God. and we've been working more so with the Mary Jane Girls and uh, Brothers Johnson, Slave, Sir Knows from the Funkadelics. You know, all of us have been doing shows over the past couple of years together. Wow. I love Brothers Johnson. I actually, my girlfriend and I did, um, while we was in, we were in this Upward Bound program, we did a dance to light up the night. Um, we used to have these talent shows every summer at the close of our summer program. So um, we danced uh, to light up, light up the night uh, together. It was just, just one of the best songs that we liked, that one and Treasure. And then okay. um, you mentioned the SOS band. That was another song that we like. Um, was it Take Your Time? Baby, did, yes. You Can Do It. That song. And then um, the Mary Jane Girls, them and Rick James. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I'm having a flashback. <laughs> having a big flashback. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was awesome. So now yeah, um, you, you have something coming out this summer. Okay, that's great. And then that would well, be that's right, right That's our target. Yeah, that's okay. our target to have something out this summer. Okay. So we shall well, see. That would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. So um, now who all is still um, part of the, the group? Oh, okay. I've got four original members, including myself, and I've got two new guys. First of all, the original members consist of Philip Ingram, Eddie Fluellen, Michael McGlory, who was on guitar, that's him playing the guitar on They'll Never Be, Best Beat in Town, all the guitars. He wasn't on the cover because he was actually signed to Motown as a solo artist and a producer working with Jermaine, but he worked with us on all of the stuff that we did. So now he's uh, he's a member of the group. Okay, and myself of the originals. And then there's Akili Nixon, who's the new lead vocalist. You know, he and Philip Cahan were leads, and uh young guy, about 33 years old. And then another guy, Michael Norfleet, who is just absolutely awesome. Michael's played with everybody from boys to men, the new addition, the brandy, the you name it, he done played with him. And he's a member of with us, so Wow. And that's it. It's us six. Well that's the super six. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That is great. We do we do put on a tight show, we sound like the records. Even better in many instances when we stretch out on folks. So now, um, have you have you thought about uh, doing anything internationally since you're still touring and you? I mean, you're still performing and things like that. Have you thought about uh, taking them on def- the road? Definitely, I'm working on something right now. There's a couple people that I'm talking to now about getting us out of here. Wow, that would be cool um, because that whoever missed you in the past, you know, I'm sure that they'll. They're still following along, you know, with your music and all. That would be great for them to see you overseas. I bet you would just, like, take over. I'm hoping so. I really am hoping <laughs> so. I mean, there's a big need for R&B, really good old school R&B. I mean, like the topics that you would sing about back in the day and then, you know, the the, the production of the music. Can you could you share with me your your feelings about the way – you know, the R&B is reflected on now. 
Well, ironically, R and B today is it. For my personal opinion, it really doesn't compare to to R and B of yesterday. I mean, I like uh, I love Anthony Hamilton and uh, Mary J. Blige. I like uh, Maxwell. I like, and there's a few others that are you know Jaheem. I like that can do some stuff, but you know most of the acts are really not. They don't have the substance and quality of what we used to put down. You know, of a Stephanie Mills, of a Jeffrey Osborne, of a uh, uh, who Lakeside and and Midnight Star and Atlantic Star. You know, we don't have that same kind of caliber. We don't have that same kind of quality that it used to be. And that's not putting anybody down. They took it to another level and they do the music of this generation. But I would love to see somebody come along that can really put it out there, you know, and make you every song on the record, make you squirm and make you emote and, you know, and make you say, hey, hey, this is it, this is it. You know, but I haven't seen much of that over the years. And I miss it, and I hope to see it again, because I do know that there are some people that are still, they're still talented people being born every day. It's just about them getting to the surface. That's true, because I feel the same exact way. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just not enough. I was, I remember loving every song on an album some time ago, but now you can barely like two songs on an album. And a lot of people just only put out two songs because it's so cost, you know, uh, crazy to just have all that budget for the whole album and then, you know, only two songs make a hit. I mean, some people are fortunate to have like just about, 10 songs over a year or two as a hit, but it's, it's very, very few. Yeah, um, very few. How, Now, I, I wanted to know, um, how come Switch never had, like, a, a female vocalist up there recording something with them? We did. We worked with High Energy. High so Energy? We did have them. We did try it with High Energy back in the day. Now, if you're referring to a, a female in Switch as a member, yeah, like I, a member, you know how? That's what I, I never saw a girl in the group. I had been no. through groups. Go ahead. <laughs> you, so Go you're ahead. saying that you 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 couldn't you couldn't put a girl in the group, or you didn't want no. to? No, no, I didn't. I, I didn't see it. I, that was not my vision. My vision was six good-looking guys that could sing and play and write and all of that stuff. You know. But no girls. I never saw a girl in the group. You know, and I had been in groups with girls in it in my life, and it never seemed to work long enough. Wow. You know, either some girl's boyfriend was putting bugs in her ear or emotionally she was trying to do something different. And the times that I was in groups, the girls just didn't last as long as the guys. So when I envisioned Switch, you know, I wasn't about to put something in it that I thought was going to fall apart. Yeah, I can understand that. Now, if you're on, you know, performances now, would you just bring on a, a guest artist, you know, like Layla James or or to me or somebody that, you know, that could just come up as a guest? Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's just like we intermingle with everybody now. And like I just told you about the show with Elder Bars, we wound up guesting on his show. Yeah, I would welcome it no matter, you know, if she could put it down, I would love it. You know, the Mary Jane girls, we interact on stage from time to time. That capacity I can see as a full-fledged member of Switch, I don't see it. 
Okay, I get you. And that's not <laughs> that's not the chauvinist in me. That's just the, pre- uh, the preservist in me. The one that you know, once if I start it, I want to keep it going, and I don't want somebody's boyfriend or husband saying, "Well, you can't go out overseas with them guys," you know, or things <laughs> like that. And those are the kind of things you'd have to look out for. I know. You know, or she telling you, I love that man and I'm not going to leave him. Well, don't leave him then. <laughs> Stay right there with him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, it, it ain't that deep. <laughs> I know. Still, we don't need her. We don't need her. Uh-uh. Too emotional. <laughs> okay. No. Now, um, now, what happened when the group... Um, I guess after the last album. What happened after that? Well, the last album at Motown prompted us. Uh, Bobby and Tommy went their different ways, and they were supposed to have actually joined the Bards and did something, but it really didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It really didn't happen. An effort was put forth, but it didn't, you know, it couldn't sustain. And even though they put out that Bad Boy record with Bobby, after L left the barge and Bobby and Tommy were out of switch, uh, they put together the group, you know, with L, Marty, Randy, and James, and then released that record on Bad Boy Records, and nothing happened with that. So, and then Philip, he left. He went over to Quest Records with his brother James, and uh, him and this guy Zane Giles had a duet thing. They signed a deal, and nothing happened with that either. Wow. And then Switch left and went to Total Experience. And the funny thing about it is that we did one record at Total Experience. Nothing happened with that record here in the States, but it was a huge success uh, internationally. Wow. Yeah, it was. Hmm. Do you do you know of a lot of Do you know of a lot of different artists that find more success overseas than they do here? I've heard it, but I don't know. I don't know it to be a fact. You know, there's no one that I associate with that that has happened with. You know, I've, I've I mean, been hearing bo- the word. Boy. Pardon? I've been hearing the word that a lot of people are just like either they even started off here and didn't get any kind of buzz or whatever and went over there to like Japan or something and just got like a serious buzz. And then and I know one person who told me that um, when they tried to come back over here, Oh no, they were there in Japan, and somebody happened to be there from America, and and was like, "Oh, you're great. We we got to get you over to America." So that's where I'm from. So I started. Okay. <laughs> Nobody liked me, so I came over here, and I'm not going back. <laughs> Which is understandable too. Yeah, I've heard good things like that too, but I've never gone out, so I can't really gauge the success of anybody that has left here and. It didn't happen here for them. I can't really gauge it, other than my boy Jeffrey Daniels, who who wound up being successful in other areas, such as he's a radio DJ, and he was also an actor and, and in plays and stuff, and he was successful on that level outside wow. of here. But, you know, I don't know enough about anybody directly to gauge what their success was. Now, um You've been involved with writing on magazine as well, so you, can you tell us more about that? Oh yeah, in fact, I've been involved. I got involved with writing on magazine in 1979. Uh, Cynthia, she knew that my major in college was English, and I walked away from it, you know, to sign with Barry White and get an RCA records. So she offered me the opportunity to be a celebrity interviewer to actually interview some people and 
write up my stories, and, and they went to print. And the first person that I interviewed, believe it or not, and the article was published was Keenan Ivory Wayans. <laughs> yep, he was on some uh, army show called Tour of Duty uh, about, a Vietnam, about Vietnam, about soldiers. And the show didn't last long, but his career did, as you well know. But oh, that was yeah. the first interview I ever did uh, with him. And then after that, I did quite a few other people. But it evolved. You know, I would always, I'd like to write, so she'd always uh, give me the opportunity to do it. She and I wound up becoming best friends and still are till this day. I mean, there's rarely a day that goes by that we don't talk. And most days, four or five times, we talk. And this is, we're talking 30-something years here now. That's good so. to have a friend like that. Yeah, it, it it has been. It's 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 been beneficial, all the way around. And then to top it off, uh, in the late eighties, uh, well, early eighties, I moved to New Jersey, New York area, and I worked for the magazines. Then I did other things. I worked with Sugar Hill Records, but I also continued to write for the magazine and do different things. And when I came back here in like ninety two, I wound up being the editor of. Uh, uh, sister magazine for Right On. It was called Sisters in Style, and what it cont- catered to was females from 12 to 20, African American urban females primarily, from 12 to 20, and it talked to, it discussed uh, beauty tips, uh, emotional information. I even did an advice column called Ask a Man, where every week I'd get 10 letters. You know, every issue I'd get 10 letters from girls and answer and respond to them. They'd have a question or a dilemma or something like that, and I would help them, you know, uh, talk through it. So there was a lot of things that happened with that over the years. Wow. Well, that was one of the um, one of the first magazines that I noticed that was really basically in for urban community. And um, I remember having just about every issue. In fact, I have one with Michael Jackson on it. Like I have a old, I have this scrapbook with all this Michael Jackson stuff in it because I was so in love with Michael. And um, uh, I even had a boyfriend named Michael. He looked like Michael Jackson. So, <laughs> and I had this scrapbook with um, that stuff in it. Like you know, and most of the the articles and things that I ever got was from Right On Magazine, or from you know some of. Uh, well, Michael was on a lot of magazines at that time. But like, <clears throat> as a teenager, we just loved having that, so we could see everybody that we liked in it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, they put all the older people. Yeah, it was. They put all the older people in Ebony magazine, but everybody yeah. in my my age group was in and right on. And then they came along with Tiger Beat, and that was like everybody, not just the urban community. That was like everybody. So, that and I don't see a whole lot of magazines out like that now. I mean, it's like uh, they have hip hop magazines, hip hop music magazines. They have Source magazine. It covers a little bit of diversity but not that much but it's just not the same to me i've just never seen anything that's really the same other than you know uh the us and some of the other tabloids that you know they have a lot of different things on it but it's not the same right so now you're also um involved in being a publicist so what what i've heard is that you know I was told that most of the best publicists were actually trained by you. <laughs> I'd love for that to be the case. 
I, I, I would love for that to be the case. I'm doubtful that that's true, but that is such a compliment. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the thing of it is, is, is no, Cynthia and I do own a company together called Switch House Press. Actually, it's been in existence since roughly 1987, and we've worked with a lot of celebrities over the years. We've helped build quite a few celebrities over the years and, and made a lot of things happen. So, uh and what we do, we do pretty good, though. We do do good. And we don't just do celebrity artists or we do events like, uh, in fact, we were the official publicist for the Black Bike Fest from years 1996 until, what, uh, 2000, well, not 1996, from up 2006 until, you know, the last one. Are you familiar with the Black Bike Fest? Um, I think I remember hearing about it. I wasn't into it, but... Uh... You can't help but see stuff like that. They always promote it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's, a huge, huge, it's a huge event. It's an uh, African-American event that takes place in Myrtle Beach, roughly around Memorial Day, so one's coming up pretty soon. And it okay. has over 200,000 African-Americans who ride bikes or like bikes or just like to hang out. Converge on Myrtle Beach. You cannot get from one street light to another within a couple hours because it's all up and down the streets. All the hotels are filled. It's a huge, huge, huge African-American annual event. And we're the ones that wound up getting it on CNN and USA Today and uh, NBC Television, ABC Television. We have all kinds of coverage for it because that's what we do. We go out and make things happen. Also, uh, print and media, but now definitely more so Internet and uh, even cable. So we do with uh-huh. artists and events, things like that. Yeah. That's incredible. Now, um, are you representing any artists right now? At this point, no. You know what? The last artist I really represented, I managed Elder Barge, probably from 2000, from 97, no, from 96 to 2003. And uh, that was the last thing that I had my hand on. I did manage that for a time. SWV, I managed Michelle Thomas, who played on Family Matters and Cosby Show and other shows. I had various acts. You know, but now I decided it's time for me to resurrect Switch, and that's my point of focus. We're doing this okay. record. We're doing these live dates, and that's where OG is spending the time for the most part. Plus, Lord bless me with an 11-year-old daughter. Aww. And, <laughs> and that is the joy of life. So I put my time there. I spent all these years to get to be an old dude to have kid, a kid, so I, I invest a lot of time there. Oh yeah, it is time consuming. <laughs> I had <That> three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, well, I know how it is, and um, like I have one, the sixteen-year-old is the baby. That's the last one of the brood. So, you know, I got a couple okay. more years. Then he's kind of like off to the to the runway now. I mean, like he's going to be doing his own teenage, you know, growing in the manhood thing, so, you know, then I can have some free time to do some traveling. Mama's going to be free. <laughs> I heard that. Um, I'm asking the audience, and I'm going to tell them um, once again, if you have to, you know, if you want to ask questions in person, then all you have to do is call our number at 347-237-5050, and you could ask Greg some questions. Um, you could also, 
you know, ask something within the chat room, and I'll just go ahead and ask them for you. But uh, right now I'm going to go to another song, take a, a couple minutes break with the song. I'll have to put on my commercial, you know, because i got to help my other people out too. And then we'll be back with Greg Williams. And um, hopefully everybody's going to think of some good questions to ask. Good. I'm counting on it. Y'all call in. Let's talk. <laughs> I used to think about immature things, you know, like, do you love me? Do you want me? Are you going to call me like you said you would? Is this really your real phone number? But you know, I'm a man now, baby, a grown man, and I came a long way. (laughs) And a fear taught me one thing, taught me to hold on to my love.
Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was inspiring a whole lot of high-pitched singing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, people who couldn't even sing. who were trying to hit those high notes. <laughs> that, was just the, that was just the best music. And, like, one of the, the people in the chat room was saying, I mean, songs like these were songs that just made you feel good about something and, you know, made you feel good about relationships and just trying to know a girl or a guy or something like that. I mean, they just made you feel and you good know, about that's it. Something- I did notice uh, uh, the comment, you know, I think it was Computer Lady here, Miss Computer Lady, but I did notice the comment about this. No, uh, I'm sorry, it was Yellow and Sexy. And uh, uh, the thing of it is, is that Bobby and I wrote I Call Your Name together, and the things that we wrote, we wrote, Bobby and I wrote, arranged and produced the majority of Switch's material, and it was about things that made you feel good. And it was talking about the same things they talk about today. It was just more finesse. It had more class. It was like, we don't just put it out there. Let's get butt naked and get nasty. You know, it's <laughs> like, okay, I, <laughs> there'll never be. Baby, there'll never be. Since we're lying here for the first time, show me what you'll do for me, and so will I. Don't try to hide your nature. No one will ever rate you because there'll never be. Now, same thing. Let's get together. I like your style. I like what you represent. But let's hook up. Same thing. It's just all in how you say it. That's right. And see, that's a, that was important to us and all the stuff that we wrote. You know, trust me. Now, we did, this is a little secret, but sometimes we did cross the line with some of the things that we, with, that we talked about. But before we let it hit the street, we brought it back to a comfortable place. For example, a little inside joke. Uh, uh, best beat in town was originally called best beef in town, and that was a sexual connotation back in the day. But the thing of it, but the thing of it is, we reeled it back in before we put it out there because we were not going to subject our public to crudeness. Right. You know, and it was the fellas having fun with it, but when it came down to put it on the record, it's a whole other thing. You know, so and it, it's about time for songs like that to come back songs with substance and quality you know and dual meanings to come back so that people can say what they want to say but also put it in a way that you're welcome in anybody's house i know, you know i mean that's one, it's like so well, raunchy now it's like straight up and direct now and it's like i don't even care that you like the color red or uh, or you love to wear you know lace or you got a pink room, they just want to get in the underwear. You know, they, well, they yeah, don't want to know anything naked. about you. Yeah, they don't want to know anything about you. They just want to. And I'm, I was telling somebody on another show, I said, somebody please come up with some music that represents a woman better because I'm so tired of these songs about strippers. I'm tired of the songs about strippers. Every woman walking yeah. this earth is not a stripper. Didn't used to be a stripper, don't have any plans to be a stripper, don't have little stripper daughters. You know, why can't we get something to sing about a woman as a woman, as a God-blessed woman? You know, that, that's, that's what gets me. Absolutely. Women, women should be held in high esteem. They should be built. You know, and the sad thing about it, it's gotten to a place where this music is so blatant and so crude that it's even got a lot of women buying into it and believing that they should be called bees and hoes and the whole thing. And nowhere, nowhere in the world, nowhere in the world should it be like that. I got an 11-year-old. I got an 11-year-old child. I got a mom. I got sisters. I got women that I respect. I do not 
want them being all better. I, that's how I see them. That's how I'll never see them. And I definitely don't want them embracing that in any way, shape, or form, that it's okay for somebody to call them that because it's not okay. Absolutely. I don't. I just don't get it. It's like, you know, you do have a mother, you do have a sister, you have an aunt, you have cousins, you know, you have friends that you respect. You know, why would you write a song like that? You know, um, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I know sex sells in a lot of different media arenas, but I don't think it's necessary to overpopulate the, the audience with that type of material and just well, get away from the, me, everything else. Let me go off the deep end for a second with us. Mm-hmm. And please understand this. I am in no way, shape, or form a racist, but mm-hmm. I do acknowledge that a lot of cultural damage comes from people of not of our culture, meaning a lot of the powers that be in record companies are non-black, non-African Americans, and right. they are, are not, not sympathetic to, to, uh, to black folks. In fact, many of them are racist whether it be, you know, uh, uh, various ethnicities, non-black ethnicities, you know. So uh, it's about damning our culture. So it's about putting more money into it to, call, to the guy that calls women holes than it is the guy that calls them ladies. Mm-hmm. Because they know that the audience, if you feed them, they'll eat it. That's the best thing about it. If you eat them, they will eat it. If that's all they got to listen to, they're going to listen to it no matter what, versus demanding, okay, I'll turn you off and I'll go to the record store and I'll buy something that I like to hear. I'll go listen and find something. So what it is is this. That hurts us a lot, too, which also makes these young writer, artists, producers believe, well, i got to write that kind of stuff to get through. And that's how it perpetuates. That's how it perpetuates. You know, we need to do more for ourselves as a people. And to change that, we need to let these young boys know that I don't give a damn how much money you got from that record company. It's not okay to do that. And for the young black A&R guys who get these jobs, but they're so afraid of losing their jobs, they don't speak up. And it becomes a part of the culture. It should not be a part of our culture. It's not a part of everybody else's culture. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's got to be responsible for it at some point in time. And I guess that's why I'm not a president of a record company, because I would change that structure. I would change that, and I would rally, and I would get on, on on committees and councils and the whole thing, and that would be changed because that is no good. It isn't. And I, I feel that passionate about the way um, music is, is put on the radio. Um, they're so selective, and, and it's like even though it's not supposed to be happening, it still is, you know, the whole payola thing, and people are paying their way to be on the top 40 for the top five, you know, and it's like we have a lot of talented people out here that we'd like to hear. We don't want to hear the same person's music 25 times within the hour as if it wasn't anybody else out there. And, I mean, that's one thing that, that really kind of bothers me a lot about major radio stations, that they're, like, driving themselves in the ground doing things like that, and they're not respecting or acknowledging all the indie artists out there. True. True. Now, you know, I understand that some people do make a lot of money and they do have it to, you know, really push their song or whatever, but put that in your marketing, your promotion, and make people want to hear it. You know, you don't force it on somebody. Like, uh, I know for a fact that sometimes if you're listening to a song all the time, every 10 minutes, all, I mean, all the time, you might subconsciously find yourself just listening to that song in your head, repeating the words, 
you know, you, it doesn't even mean that you really like it or not. It's just like you keep hearing it. It's like you're just going to keep repeating it. So that gotcha. just means that they're overpopulating the, the airwaves, and then we have to go to other places to listen to independent music. You know, thank God for the Internet because that brought yeah. a, another doorway for people to be able to communicate with each other and share their likes and dislikes, and then for artists to have their music played to people who are not getting it. Now, right. are you involved in the Internet and the whole Internet marketing at all? Other than how I utilize it to publicize and promote my um, my clients, no, I'm not. In fact, as of late, I have been inching my way up on not only doing a blog but also becoming a, a Internet DJ and having my own prog- program. But that's still a ways away because my point of focus right now, other than the publicity business, which keeps my boat afloat, other than that, my my major points of focus is first and foremost my child. Second of all, then switch and what I can do there, which is uh, get this new CD done, do some live dates. And I, I did I I did mention that I am so close to completing my book. Did I not? No. Yeah, Go ahead, tell us about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm almost done with my biography. I don't like to talk much about it because it's not complete. But the name of it is, I'll share, it's called Switch the Barge, Motown and Me. And it's about my life, period, and about all my experiences, you know, from being a little kid and becoming an entertainer at five to what I yesterday and everything in between. You know, it talks about, uh, of course, the DeBarges and Barry Gordy and Jermaine and Hazel and Larry Graham and all my friends and Mary Wilson and from Johnny Guitar Watson to Tom Jones to, you know, all the things that I've done, to managing L and SWV and Michelle Thomas to being a young actor, comedian myself. And, you know, it talks about all the aspects of my life. And thus far, if I stop, which I should, uh, I'm like 464 pages in. Ooh, you know, and I call I call myself proofreading, but every time I read, I wind up adding more proof. So another another <laughs> another chapter. <laughs> I did that the other day. I added another three pages, and I just went in to clean up something. So <laughs> I got you know, to on myself. I know how that is because I, I'm writing a book myself, although it's a little bit different than what you're writing about. Um, it's called uh-huh. The Little Tales, and it's uh, a series of uh, erotic stories, but it's not like Zane stories. Like I, if I write about that type of uh, subject, I'm not really gross about it. I'm not like, you know, just raunchy about it. Um, I actually took some lessons from Prince. Um, The way he used metaphors in a lot of his songs, because I think that they were giving him trouble about getting played on the radio, so he kind of switched things around and used metaphors. So I said, well, you know, that's a really good idea to get, you know, more people to look at it, because then some people are even shy when it comes to reading that stuff, let alone saying it out of their mouth. So, you know, I got into that, but just like you, every time I go to, to finish up one story, I think of another idea. It's only supposed to be six, but I got about 18 okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got volume one, two, and three now. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost finished the whole series, you know. But that's yeah, the, you know, it's, it's, it's because we have creative minds and, you know, and it's nonstop. So if it's nonstop, you can't just say, oh, I'm just going to put that to the side. Just go ahead and write it. You know, just go right ahead and put it down. Okay, yeah. And that, that, that's all I'm going to do. You know, because I used to do that with songs. And the bottom line, uh, I learned from my granddaddy years ago, boy, it's better to have and not need than need not have. So put it down 
and take it out if if you got too much. That's right. Because if it was so, money, that's what I do. You wouldn't say, "Well, I have too much money." <laughs> oh, I don't need this fifty thousand okay. dollars. Let me give this away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you take this boy. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a question from the audience, and um, Yellow and Sexy wants to know: How do you feel about the performance tax that is being imposed on the radio stations? Okay. Do you know something? I have not studied it in its entirety, so I am a little ignorant, and I hate to talk about things that I am not totally up on, but I can give you some input on it. Uh, How it affects me is that now I can get royalties from songs that I otherwise could not have gotten gotten paid from, you know. So with that in mind, with that in mind, I'm for it on that level. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm for it if, if it helps pay some of us writers, some of us artists that are actually losing money. Because bear in mind this, our gifts are what they call, even in legal terms, they call it unique. Meaning mm-hmm. that it may work once or it may not. And if it works once, it may never work again. So I have to get compensated for it the first time that it works. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if you got a hit song and it's being played over and over and over on the radio and the av- radio station is making money off the advertisers, why should I not be paid for it? That's right. Which means now that the radio station is being taxed because the radio station got to pay for it. Well, you've been getting away with it all these years and you haven't been paying mm-hmm. anybody, but just the same, you've been putting that advertiser's money in pocket. Right. So now if it's... Now, if there's an opportunity for me to feed my kid and put her through college because the radio station is taxed, then tax more of them, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> okay? That's right. So and that's then they, how, you know. Go on. Well, it seems to me like the radio stations are crying, are crying about it because they, you know, they feel like they can't afford all that or this, that, and the other because the public doesn't know exactly how much money they do take in. And I know from working at um, WPEN that the Phillies, because that's Philly Station, the Phillies used to pay, when this was years ago, so I'm sure it's more, they were paying uh, $30,000 for each actual uh, commercial, $30,000. Okay. So I'm like, okay. you, if if this is a major sponsor like that, you know, like a ma- like the Phillies, and this is the every day, all day long, you're getting a lot of money in, not from just them, but from a lot of people. And I don't see any reason why you can't do what you're supposed to do to the artist, you know, to pay them what they're supposed to have. So if you got to be taxed, then I guess you're going to have to get taxed. Absolutely, they should be. Think about this. What am I supposed to do? Just because I love to do something doesn't mean that i got to do it for you for free. Right. Don't insult my don't insult my intelligence. I gotta eat too. And either I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna be compensated for it or I'm gonna quit and I'm gonna do something else. Then you're gonna miss out on what the creative gifts that God gave me there with you. Mhm. You know? It doesn't make sense anyway. It, 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 it you know, I don't understand every aspect of it. So like again, I don't I don't expect to come off ignorant and talk about things I don't know about. But mm-hmm. what I just shared with you was from my aspect as a writer, as an arranger, as a producer, as a creative person, as a father, as somebody that has to eat from the work I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and with that in mind, 
let every radio station have to pay. They should all pay. <laughs> Don't get me on that one because I'll be able to up, pick up a picket sign and when I was stood in front of some radio stations. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that they're trying to do that same thing with the Internet radio stations too. So, um, you well, know, you know they, that's, that's a long ways. Even if they're trying to do it, it's a long ways off because they haven't been able to regulate uh, Internet radio or Internet input programming. They haven't been able to regulate it at all. It's a long ways away. They don't understand what they're dealing with yet. You know, huh. I mean, industry, industry around the world, especially entertainment industry, is suffering. They're at a loss because they don't know what to do with this. They're, you know, it's not, uh, it's not as solid enough. It's still evolving. It's still growing. The Internet and all its capabilities and all its, its outposts and all of that, it's still growing, and there's so much opportunity. And it's, it's the way of, of today and tomorrow. And uh, these people have yet to learn how to regulate it. So trust me. Taxing radio on the internet, it's a long ways away. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like they're trying to make us pay for emails. Trying to make us pay for email. Because <laughs> we pay for and how, and they've been talking about that. <laughs> they've been talking about that for like 10 years now. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. I won't email anybody anymore. If you start charging me for a darn email, I got 309,000 emails sitting in my mailbox right now. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I'll I'll just have to just forget. It. I won't talk to nobody anymore. I'll just have to use Skype. <laughs> yes, and see, and that's another thing about the internet. It'll offer you another way around it. That's right. It will honestly offer you another way around it. So. <laughs> yep. Well, we have a couple of people calling in with some questions. I'm going to start first with the area code of four one nine, and uh, caller, you are on the air with Greg Williams. Hello there, everybody. Miss Computer Lady, how's everybody doing? Not bad. How are you? Hey, how are you? Uh, actually, I just have a couple comments. Uh, first of all, uh, Mr. Williams, I commend you on not only your career, but uh, bringing Switch back because they were one of my favorite groups, so I thank you for that, first of all. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Very big fan. And secondly, the comment you mentioned about Internet radio, I totally agree with you because many, and I put it in the chat room, many entities aren't really aware of the vastness of Internet radio. And you're right. If they can't go through one means through the Internet, they will go through another. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it, it's, it's, uh, the Internet is so awesome. And I have done a study on it. I've been on the Internet actually since it first came out. I've been on computers since 86. And I've been on the Internet since it first came out. And, you know, through my two sent in in different places. And still, they have no control on it. They have no real handle. They don't know the extent of it, of, of what this Internet offers. So they'll always be there for a long time to come. There'll be a way around uh, uh, rips and regulations and things like that. You know, this is one of the greatest gifts that we've got, especially for communication. That's why most of my publicity business is Internet business now, where it used to be the magazines, right on, so right. every jet, and now it's the Internet. And I make mm -hmm. cars happen on the Internet. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And third, I just want to quickly say thank you for mentioning what you're mentioning about a lot of the way songs are now, because with Switch and many other groups, it was where there was respect towards women. A lot of songs these days, there is not respect toward women and called all the bees and the whatever. And 
you're right also as far as many don't understand that when these songs first came out, they had the bees and calls, everybody ends and all of that. It was like, oh, no, I am not going to listen or play this song or support a group that disrespects me. Now they don't know what to do. No, because they figure now it's so rampant and so, you know, there's so many people talking that way. They figure you ain't in if you don't if you don't buy into it. You don't have to buy into mm-hmm. it. I don't care. Don't let nobody take you there. It's it's right. crazy. You know, my kid, me and her screen stuff together. We really do. And I and one thing I've taught her for a fact is respect yourself and love yourself, and never recite a lyric you don't know what it means. Know exactly. what you're saying because you may have to eat those words one day. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's and you never knew what the flavor was in the first place. <laughs> okay, for real. Okay. Come on. And I know I don't raise no bees and hoes in my house. We don't play that. So I don't have them in. I don't allow them in. They get stopped at the gate. <laughs> no, actually, knowing you, you probably won't even let them near the gate nor the block. From the gate, it's like, oh, oh no! Like an old man told me when I was trying to date his daughter back in the day, boy, I don't want to see you in the vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that, <laughs> and he meant that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he meant that. And I took that as real. And I was, but, but I'm a nice guy. I'm a musician. He said, "Well, be a musician around there in your neighborhood." <laughs> yeah, now around here. <laughs>
Vertico is exclusively for industry professionals and accessible only with a special V code. Log on now, Vertico.com. Global e distribution of music, models, and arts entertainment. Check this out. How about you get one of these right here? Your own custom audio commercial. Yes, yes, that's what this is. A commercial. High quality. Professional. <laughs> this is what we do. Fully produced. Yeah, zing, zappers, bombs, whatever. 60 second commercial for only 60 bucks. Unheard of. <laughs> that's right. 60 seconds for only 60 bucks. To make it better, I'll give you an option. Yeah. You can take the 60 seconds or you can get two 30 second spots for 60 bucks. Hey, get the bang for your buck. What you might need audio for? <clears throat> Let me tell you. Mixtape promo, website intro, flash movie intro, television commercials, your record release party, radio ads, or if you're just feeling braggadocious on my space, I got you. Oh, you want some examples, huh? Club Spot, Monizzi Production presents Nocha Galeante. Saturday, March 14th, two levels of fun with live performances by Portland's own mixtape promo. It's a mixtape that the South has been waiting for. From the longer way, highly anticipated. Trap ambassador himself, DJ Terror. And also trailers. Yeah, movie trailers. Oh, hold on. <clears throat> Bring on the movie, dude. In a church that was totally in a mess. Well, you get the point. Right now, get high quality, professional, fully produced. 60 or two 30 second commercials for only 60. 60. 60 bucks. I'm not going to tell you when, but this definitely is not going to last forever. So email us right now at voiceovers at duetcustomdesign.com. That's voiceovers at duetcustomdesign.com. Or call 352-258-8426. That's 352-258-8426. And we are back with Greg Williams, and I see we have an, another caller in from 404. And is that Atlanta? Yeah. Is that Atlanta? Yeah. And who is? And who are we talking with now from Atlanta? You guys are talking to Tanya from Atlanta. Yeah. Hi, yes. Hi, Greg. Hi. How are you? Uh, I just I'm wanted to call in and say that. Um, I love all your music. Um, you are an incredible person and artist, you know, and, um, and you're welcome. You're so welcome. And I just want to thank you for um, reaching out to me and my artist, Troy Man. Um, right. I figured this was you, babe. <laughs> That's me. I had to call in and show my love because you have shown him and um uh, so much love, you know what I'm saying, just on the strength. And I just had to reach out and let everybody know that, you know, you are a genuine person, you know what I'm saying. You do this because you love it, you know what I'm saying. It's not all about just the almighty dollar with you. You know, you you like true talent, and, and you stand up for it, and I commend you for that. Hey, I thank you so much. But Troy Man's awesome. No, that has, he is awesome. So <laughs> that's a pleasure yeah. to work with him. Yeah, we got, we got, we yeah. have to, we have to try to keep him following. You know, in the footsteps of of artists like yourself. You know that 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 can stand stay in this industry and do something. You know, with their music, something positive, and and that people will want to hear. You know, twenty years from now. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and equally important. 
And fortunately, he's got the personality. He's a good, grounded kid, but equally important that he reads a solid person, period, because these careers come and go. But if you've got people that believe in you, you can rise again if you fall. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you're a screw-up, ain't no coming back. It really ain't. They'll let you back in for a minute, and then after that, they throw you back out with the water. (laughs) Yeah, we see that happening now. (laughs) Okay. Hope you're not a swim. Swim is awesome. Swim is awesome. Yeah, but I just want to thank you because, I mean, you know, he, after meeting you, he came back and he he wanted to learn more, you know what I'm saying, learn more about real music and not just about what everybody else is doing. And it helped him in his production and the direction that he started going in now. And so I just want to really thank you, you know what I'm saying, just really thank you and let you know that you do touch people. And that you your music is off the chain, and it's going to be off the chain. So whenever you guys make you let your CD come out, you, I'm going to buy my copy. No problem. No problem. Thank you, and God bless you guys. Thank All you right, Tanya. All right. Bye bye. All right. Take care. Now, what I'd like to do is just ask you to share a message from your heart to the audiences out there listening to music, because we have 11 minutes and I want to do a, a last song to take us out of the show. But I want to get okay. uh, a nice message from you to the audience about music today. Okay, my message is real simple about music. And, you know, I, I, I wish I could just limit it to music, you know, for the sake of the, the listeners, but I can't because it's got to be in totality. And that is just believe in yourself no matter what you do. You know, just, you know, trust your instincts. You know, be true to it now. Don't half-step with it. You know, ain't no half-stepping my heat wave. So. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh, just you got to believe in yourself. you got to stick to your guns. you got to trust yourself. And you know something? I do know right away that the both of the people that will hear this are probably in their late 30s and more so their 40s and possibly even their 50s. So it ain't these little kids that will be talking too much, but the same message applies to us, older people, and those younger ones. We ain't done until we're done. Until God calls us home, we still got to do stuff. So we still got to believe in ourselves. We still got to try. We still got to, you know, go beyond the norm to make things happen. Because whatever us older folks do now, we can leave something for these kids to look up to where everybody won't be bees in the holes and, you know, uh, uh, every song won't be about can I get in your drawers versus since we're lying here for the first time, you know, and things like that. And mm-hmm. the example we leave now, it will be just like Tanya just said about Troy uh, 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 picking up on, you know, after meeting me, seeking out a little more substance in what was going on versus the fluffer today. Well, that's mm-hmm. the same thing that our, that our examples are going to leave behind. And that's what that's we got to do. We, we gotta do it, no matter what. We That's gotta right. do it. We we gotta be aware of of what we're seeing and what we're doing, and don't leave a whole garbage laying around because somebody slip and bust their head on it. So. <laughs> I know because the youth of the youth of today is the the adults of tomorrow, and if all they have is negativity and drama and and you know these types of things that are going on in the world, how can they make our world a better place if they don't know anything better? They're going to assume that this is how it's supposed to be. Absolutely. No, we can do better, you know. And we all as parents, all those of us that are parents, that are conscientious parents, we all want to leave better for our children 
than we had for ourselves. We all want them to be better than we were. You know, well, that's the way to do it because, we, you know, everything is by example. It really is. We can say, we can preach, we can beat, we can do whatever we do. But the bottom line is that what has the most impact is our, the example that we set. So that's right. Let's just do that from this point. Well, thank you so much for those inspiring words and for giving us such a blessing of you being in this world because I feel like it is thank a blessing. You. And Thank I really so appreciate what you've done with music, and I hope that, you know, other people will learn from you and really try to put more heart and more emotion into a song when they write something as opposed to immediate satisfaction. And they should take lessons from groups like Switch and Heat Waves and all, a, a number of groups, which we should just pretty much support all of them. That's why I'm doing this series on all the old school because I want to bring a, another audience in and listen to the words and listen to the production of the music so that we can re-educate ourselves about the quality of life in a song. And that's important Absolutely. to me, and it's important to a lot of people. So, But thank you for um, coming to the show and sharing everything with us and you know, just being a joy in this audience Vendor, and in, I, on this show. I thank you very much for having me. And anytime you want to do it again, let's do it again. Let's have some fun. Well, that would be wonderful because in the future I'm putting together some Q&A shows where I'll be um, interviewing people like yourself and some other producers and uh, writers and and, um, indie labels or whoever to pretty much uh, give a a hands-on education to a lot of indie artists that I I actually work with and others that I'm I'm getting to work with. So that would be something I enjoy to have you with. Okay, well, just you know, just call me. We're gonna be talking anyway, but just holler. I know. I'm there. <laughs> I'm I'm there. So let's do the thing. All right. Well, we're going to end our show with another song from Switch, another one of my favorites, and I hope everybody is enjoying this as much as I am. And don't even forget about coming in Wednesday when we have Donald Tarrier from uh, Lakeside, and then we're going to have. Um, uh, Michael Cooper from Confunction next Monday. So I hope you all will continue to return with Mingle Zone and MDN Indie Radio. And here we are with I Want to Be Closer by Switch. That was a, a love-making song. That was, we used to call it the grinding song. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. I ain't mad at that. And I don't grind no more. So that, this is for all you young folks out here. Your mamas and daddies was grinding to this song. <laughs> and thank, you. Say thank you and good night to all my um, my chat and audience, and see you guys on Wednesday.